Contractor's journey to self-mastery requires discipline, integrity, and respect. Welcome to Hammer and Grind. All right, guys, welcome back to another episode. I have a special guest in the studio today. Actually, I guess not in the studio, but joining me in the interview here, uh, Ron Nussbaum of BuilderComs, and he's also another podcast guest. We'll, we'll get into all of that. Uh, Ron, thanks so much for jumping on the show. Hey, man, thank you for having me. And it's like we're in the same studio, you know, we're side by side here. We've already had a conversation, so... I feel like we're in the same area. We're in the same wavelengths here. Safe spirit, same wavelength, same uh, screen, at least uh, at the same time. So that's, I guess that's close enough. <laughs> uh, Ron, tell us a little bit about yourself. Give us a little the the uh, the intro of who Ron is and, and what Ron's all about. Yeah, the million-dollar question is, who is Ron? <laughs> yeah, so I'm originally from Akron, Ohio. Uh, I went to the Marine Corps in 2007. When I got out in 2011, I ended up in Michigan. That's where my wife was from. She wanted to go back home. I never planned on going back to Ohio. And I actually ended up farther north than I even started out. Go figure there. So I was looking for what's that transition look like. And I, I kept coming across this foreman and training ad. And I had never had any construction experience. My background was automotive, reconditioning, bodywork, that kind of stuff. Uh, but finally, one day I looked in the mirror and was like, damn it, Ron, if you want to go be a foreman in training or be a foreman in construction, you can go do that. So I applied. I ended up getting a job. And that is kind of history for me in the residential construction space. I then spent the next over a decade growing and scaring a residential construction company to uh, eight figures, just great experience. I've done everything from digging the hose to running the company, foreman, field supervisor, operations, leadership, management. Uh, went to a couple hundred employees, 30 crews, and had some escalated customers. So now I help take care of those escalated customers. I ended up uh, building out communication software that was built for the residential construction industry. And that's what I currently do. And I host Construction Champions podcast. So I really fell in love. I transitioned out of working in the construction industry and working in service of it. And I just fell in love with that. Like the impact that I could have is a lot more than just out working on houses and doing that aspect. And that, that really got me excited. That's what led to starting the podcast. And what led to us meeting, which is amazing because I get to do stuff like this now, which fires me up because this is going to be an amazing conversation. It's going to have a big impact for people. Absolutely. I'm glad you're on the show. I didn't realize this and maybe you didn't either, but I was in the Marine Corps as well. Oh, really? You mean we yeah. spent all that time together and that never came up? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I have to we ask, what, what was your MOS? 0311 just gets freakier and freakier freakier and freakier on i was 0311 as well there you go i was with 22 golf company at camp the june uh, i went to soi camp lejeune and then uh, ended up out at pendleton i was third mm -hmm. battalion first marines lima company 
There you go. I did SOI here and I took the short bus ride <laughs> right over to Camp Lejeune and got dropped off. And the rest is history on that. So you, you did PI, Paris Island, yep. and then Camp Geiger, uh, and then the Lejeune. And did you stay at Lejeune the whole time? Yeah, except for when we went to Iraq. So that was uh, okay. home base the entire time. So you were in, you went into 07, you said? Yep. Uh, did you do four years? Yep. That's enough in the infantry. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and my plan was to be in long. Like, I, I really felt like, you know, God has a plan for you. I felt like it was a calling to be in the Marines. I had a tattoo on my neck. I spent 13 months getting it removed to just be a Marine. And wow. then once I got there, I thought, like, that's what I was going to do. My wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, like I had this conversation with her that this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to be deployed. I love this shit. And that's like, if you're not along for that ride, then this isn't going to work out. And well, she was 100% on board for that ride. And then it ended up the Marine Corps. It just, it wasn't, I blew my knee out in our Afghanistan workup. And they pretty much told me is I can go sit behind the desk or I can just not be in the Marine Corps anymore. And I just couldn't picture myself as being in the Marine Corps and sitting behind a desk. Like that just didn't jibe well for me. And that's really like when I say I ended up in Michigan in this transition and found construction, that's what it was. Like I wasn't planning on being in Michigan. Like I, I thought I was going to be in Afghanistan. I thought I was going to be doing right. this and continuing my Marine Corps career. And that just, it didn't pan out that way. Hmm. Yeah. That's a uh, hearing backstories and on, on what stuff like that is sometimes it blows my mind. Uh, so I, I'm a little older than you, I think uh, I'm assuming unless you, unless you waited before you uh, went in, but I went in in 99. So from, or I'm sorry, 95, I got out in 99. So we were pre Gulf War and Afghanistan War and all that stuff, but uh, pre 9 11. Uh, but, anyways, let's talk about construction. <laughs> <laughs> the greatest post military job you can have, no matter what you did in the military, I'm a firm believer that you can transition very well into construction. Well, there's two. There's two careers. You know what the other one is? No. Law enforcement. Oh, there's always that if you want to continue to serve. Yeah, law enforcement slash, you know, firefighter, all that stuff. Um, I have most of my Marine Corps buddies became a firefighter or a police officer. So, and I almost did as well. I almost joined the police department as well. But see, I didn't want, I wanted to be a detective. Like I wanted to figure, I wanted to solve crimes, but I didn't want to, be a patrolman and do all that stuff prior to, to being the detective. You know what I mean? So, yeah, no, I know what you mean. You just, if I was going to do that, I'd want to be SWAT or something. And like, well, that but too, but that you got to do all the BS to get there. I, yeah. And so for me, I, the, what happened for me was I met my, well, my first wife, unfortunately I met her when I was still in the Marines and I had about a year left. I came home on the, for 30 day leave. I met her, you know, we like hit it off and then we kind of dated the, the, the remaining year I was in. And then I didn't really have a strong bond of like, oh, I want to be a Marine forever. Like that wasn't me. And so I was like, well, I'll just get out. You know, I got a girlfriend back home. I did my thing. It's time to move on. 
So I got out, came back home, and then uh, tried a bunch of other stuff, and then finally found got myself into construction. Uh, it's probably when did I? I don't even know the date. I'm terrible at dates, like time frames. <laughs> terrible at it. But it was probably five or six years after I got out is when I first got into construction. I had a bunch of other jobs. I was a cable guy. I was the the cable guy uh, for a while. So. But let's talk about construction. So what what's uh what kind of you said you did residential construction. What did you guys specialize in in your business? Anything below grade. Like that was Okay. foundations, basements, crawl spaces, all of that. Any I, it's a, the easiest way to explain it is just anything below grade. And was that mostly like new construction or or remodel repair Re- all or retrofit so we did a lot of foundation repair stuff a lot of uh basement waterproofing cross just you know house a lot of houses just not built on the right foundation and you can retrofit that instead of come in and have to lift a house up and just pull a brand new foundation so let's talk about that for a second um is that because when you took that foreman job it was for like a foundation like you were doing the exact same thing or was that something different no it was the exact same thing i'm a i'm a pretty loyal person so i stuck at it you know i had i had a uh a chip on my shoulder to say because i was a high school we got a high school diploma four years in the marine corps and everybody that i was being hired with had construction management degrees and i was like wow I'm just going to have to outwork them. I'm going to have to run new spawn this and just show up and <laughs> learn as much as I possibly can every yeah. day. So that's just what I did. Like I figured like that why other people were sleeping on me because they had this construction background or the college education around construction. I was there learning and figuring out how I could bring the most value to this. And that's just what I did day after day for over a decade. Did you ever have your own business or did you always work for someone else? So I've had some of my own businesses, but the main one that was built was somebody else's. Okay. But you, you wrote, you started out as like a foreman and then moved up through the ranks. Not even as a foreman, man, as a laborer on a crew running a jackhammer back behind an AC unit for 12 hours a day. And then, became a foreman and then became a field supervisor, which led to production management and then operations management. And like I said, running a operations department of over a hundred people, 30 crews, uh, doing almost, doing almost 25 million a year in annual revenue. And we went in about five years from a few million to that 25 million. So, rapid scale a lot of growth you learn a lot of stuff along the way one thing i did learn was i didn't want to build a business for somebody else anymore yeah so okay i want to dive into this for a second so you 30 crews doing residential repairs this in what city was this in the entire state of michigan okay so you guys went all over the whole state yep okay and was that were you doing like um kind of like a proprietary type system or were you just going in and doing repairs? No, no, we had a proprietary system. We had stuff that we used that was exclusive to us. Okay. So the company you worked for developed 
develop the system or whatever, or adopted it or changed it, made it there or whatever. They came up with it. And then you guys are now selling this as a solution to common problems with crawl spaces and, and basements and stuff like that. Yeah, we had we had our own prod not not necessarily our own products, but we had exclusivity on our products. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. And then that that scaled up. So I'm assuming they had you didn't have all 30 crews in like your town that went everywhere, did they? Or were they like believe it or not, we did. We ran everything out of one office. Uh, Made it interesting. Did you have guys stationed in like different parts of the state? No, we traveled. We just we would travel and put guys up in hotels, and uh, it was that's just kind of how it was. It's expanded from there now to the point where it's big enough where there is other satellite offices and stuff but in my tenure of being around we did everything right there out of one central location that's interesting um so i mean obviously you had to have good profit margins in this to send a send a crew you know a week away or send them away for a week pay hotels i mean you had to have some good profit margins there well, I mean, it's the construction industry. <laughs> I mean, I believe that construction, if you treat it right and you run it as a business, the money's there, the profit's there. It's truly one of the only industries where you can see somebody in a brand new truck and you're not sure how they're getting any work done. And it's because the money is there. If you just do the right thing, by your customers, by your employees, and by your business. And you just run it as a business and you don't just say, I have a construction company. You can drive profit margins. Yeah. Well, and it, it helps when you have a specific niche that solves a specific problem for a specific type of customer. Absolutely. And when you put the systems in place around that, it makes it very easy. Like you, it, not, not easy is not the right word because nothing's easy. Simple. It makes it, it makes it a simple process. Yeah, it makes it duplicatable. I think that's where yeah. we get hung up a lot of times in construction, is we don't make stuff duplicatable. Like as I grew through the industry, like I just build on my experience, so I could look back at you know what was it like to be that labor. What was it like when I was that foreman? How does that work? And, you know, my my best memories of the construction industry is working out in the field, doing that kind of stuff. But you have to make that stuff predictable and able to be reproduced. Like Ron Nussbaum can't be in a novelty. Like if I go do it and I'm the only one that can go do it, that's not going to work long term. You have to be able to recreate that so somebody else can go do it. You can develop somebody that can do it. What does that look like? What are the standards? What kind of numbers can we do just without killing anybody? Because I'll tell you, you know, I'm I'm a component of the industry where I came through that, you know, you, you can maybe kill some people along the way and not like from an unsafe perspective, just from like, the burning it, just burn, 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 because that's in my mentality. That's what I mean by like, it can't be an omnibody. 
like myself, if I go work 100 hours a week, that's not sustainable for another crew. Might be sustainable for me, but like to do that 30x, it's not going to work. So you have to figure out what are those systems, what are the processes that can get the same results that you desire out of multiples of people. So I think I was just a little so, bit of a tangent. I don't even know if I answered no, no, the question. I, no, I appreciate it because it leads right into uh, a good topic to talk about, which is creating these systems. Like, what do you think keeps contractors, especially smaller contractors? You know, maybe they're maybe they're a one man show right now. Maybe they have three or four guys working for them. Like, what do you think keeps them from being able to create that replicatable system that the system you can duplicate and scale with? I, I think a lot of them are afraid to not be the guy. So we really get the, this feeling that we have to be the guy and be the one that's involved in everything because it's, I mean, we're in construction. We like to fix things. We want to be the person that's out there that's doing the stuff that creates the change or that transformation, but we don't have to be like, if you're, if you're a one-man operation and you want to be in charge of that and do all of that, and that's all you ever want to be, like, that's fine, but you have to be okay with that. You can't be like, I want to be this or I want to be bigger and go at it with this mentality of I have to have my hands on everything. I think a lot of the best construction companies from a business perspective I have ever been around or seen are companies that not maybe necessarily one of the per people that are involved in running it is a construction guy. They're just yep. a business guy that that can look at this in layman's terms and say, hey, this is what needs to happen from a business perspective. Like you're probably not the best sales rep or you're probably not the best installer. I always used to say, like, I'm not the best at anything other than I will work my ass off nonstop. And the problem is, is like I said, that's not reproducible. That's not duplicatable. But you can, I can find people that are better than me at everything that don't have to work their ass off because they're just naturally better. I'm like, I just kind of say I'm just mediocre at everything, but I'll work until I die to get the job done at a high level. And we don't have to be that way. We can go find those people that are the best of the best and let them run with it. And I think that's what's the hardest part for guys is to just let go of that and say, hey, you're so much better at this than me. I want you to just go do it and do it at the, the highest level you can. So I can focus on what I can do to help grow this business so you have a thriving environment to work. What, what do you think, what's the driving force behind that belief though, that like they have to be the one that does it. They have to be the problem solver. Is it ego? Is it pride? Is it feeling a self-worth? Like, what do you think it is? I would say it's probably a combination of all of the above. Like it's who we are. When you look at contractors and builders like why do you become that because you want to fix things or you want to build things like you want to be that one that is doing that so it's naturally in our blood 
to be the one doing it. And we feel like we need to be the fixer there. We need to be the one figuring out how to overcome the problems. But the greatest problem we can figure out how to fix and overcome is the business aspect of it. Like if we dove into that and learned how to overcome that and hired the right people to overcome the problems in the field and to do the actual building and to be responsible for that stuff, that's when we can really start to grow. Interesting. You know, it would be really helpful for contractors is if there were business coaches that helped contractors with the business part of, of their business. <laughs> that would be amazing, wouldn't it? Especially ones that came from the industry. Hey, you guys, if somebody's out there who could come up with that, that is a gold mine. Jump on that right away. Um, <laughs> so, okay. So you scaled, when you moved up the ranks from low man to uh, production and operations. What do you think what helped you personally, like your skills to, to be a better team builder? Cause for, to do what you're doing, you gotta be a good team builder essentially. Trier and error and a lot of reading and a lot of conversations in the mirror. You can't, you can't, you're going to, like, there's going to be failures. I look back at it. I have so many conversations around this kind of stuff nowadays. And I look back at it and man, I suck. Like there was a lot of times I just sucked. Like I took bad advice, did stuff that I necessarily not, I shouldn't, but like, it just wasn't like what was going to be the best long-term results, but we can only do what we like. We can only do our best at the moment. We have to be willing to continuously learn and understand that there's going to be failure along the way. And be okay with that. So see, like, that's something I suffer. Like, I don't like failure. Like, I mean, you could probably relate with this. You were in the Marine Corps. Like, failure is not an option, but it is. And it's something that you have to learn to accept and learn from. So I read a lot of books. At my peak, I was reading 60, 70 books a year. Because that's what I heard that, you know, the top CEOs in the world would read. So that was my end goal is I wanted to be that. So I was head deep in like, how do I become the best leader, the best people person I can be? And like I said, I made a lot of bad decisions. I sucked at it a lot. When I look back at it now, you know, you think you're winning. But when I look back, like, man, I was bad. And now I just, I think the best thing you can be is the best you. Like, I just try to be the best Ron I can be and lean into who I am. Like there's stuff that I'm not good at and that's fine. I'm type A personality. I'm pretty direct. Like that's fine. I just need to know my audience and be able to correlate my message to them. I don't I don't need to change who I am. And I, I think as leaders and as people that are bringing up teams, no matter how much you lead into personal development, you can never lose sight of who you are. But I think that's what we lose because we're we're trying to develop and develop. We'll develop, but that foundation of who you are is what you need to build off of. You don't necessarily need to change that. You need to figure out how to make that the best it possibly can be. 
you said something really interesting. You said you had to, you, you leaned into me, lean into yourself. Um, how important was that to really figure out who you were internally? Like what made you, what motivated you, what, what you were good at, what you were bad at? Like how important was that for you? I mean, I think it's the best thing people can do. And I always look back and, you know, like if I would have known before, where could I have been or where could we have been? It, it could be amazing. So it, I think it's one of the number one things you can do is to have a firm grasp on that and understand that it's okay. I think a lot of times like we find out, like we do all this stuff and then we look at it from the wrong perspective of like, we take a personality test and we say, oh, this is what's wrong with me. No, no, this is what is right about me. This is how I just operate. How do I make that? better for everybody around me and not use it as a crutch. Like I used to use my personality as a crutch. Like, it's just how I am. Like, it, it's just go read Once my a Marine, always a Marine. Go read. I, you know, I used to be like, go read my disassessment. It'll tell you everything you need to know about me. And uh, we, that, I mean, go ahead. Oh, and we use it as a crutch instead of figuring out how we can use it to better everything around us. Because yeah, it's all too often we take personality tests for the wrong reason. We take it, we take them to try to figure out what's wrong with us or what are our characteristics about our personality that we think we need to improve. How about we take a personality test, understand who we are, like really take some time to understand who you are and then say, man, this is the stuff I really enjoy about me. How can I utilize that? to better everybody around me instead of saying, I need to get better at this stuff. I'm just inherently bad at. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I had an interesting kind of revelation, if you will, last week, uh, and this ties into what you're saying, but you know, so, okay. Being a Marine, you know, once a Marine, always a Marine. <laughs> I'm like, okay, that, yeah, I agree with that, but I'm not a Marine now. I'm not actively in the Marine Corps. That's who I was in the past. Am I proud of my service? Absolutely. You know, can I have swap war stories with other Marine, you know, military people? Absolutely. But I don't walk around. I don't wear the, the, the you know, the Marine or the hat that has the unit I'm in. And there's nothing against people that do that, especially the older veterans. I love seeing their hats because it gives me a point to, you know, ask them about it. And I love talking to people about it, but I don't sit there and say, well, I'm a Marine because I served 25 years ago. It's like, no, that was just a part of my life, mm -hmm. right? It's one aspect of my life. But yes, let, here's what I'm getting to. When I started this business, uh, the coaching business, two years ago, I shut down my construction business that I had for 11 years. And that knowing full well that that was going to hurt some of my credibility because it's like, well, if you're so successful, why aren't you doing both and all this, you know, all that <laughs> stuff. And so last week, I, my wife's starting a little side gig uh, business and I was helping her and I had to cut a little top, a little wooden top for a cart. I mean, super simple little task, right? Table saw, uh, drill, that's it. Took me like 15 minutes and I got done. I said, you know what? If I never touched a, a tool for the rest of my life, I would be perfectly okay with that. 
And it really just kind of hit me like I was good at construction, but I never enjoyed it. I never actually enjoyed doing that, but I was really good at it. And so sometimes like you're saying, you know, knowing yourself and knowing really understanding yourself, like just because you're really good at something doesn't necessarily mean that that's what you should be doing. And so that's where I came and and this transition happened. And I totally believe it was a God thing, uh, the way this whole situation panned out with me doing coaching, because it was a lot, it was for me, it was on the horizon. It was like, well, when I'm 60 years old and I retire, then I'll start doing some consulting and coaching type thing. And just through a series of events, which again, it's to me is, is, is a God thing. It, it led me to where I'm at today, having this conversation with you. And I don't regret at all closing down my construction business. And I think that that last week and having that realization of like, I never really enjoyed it. Like some guys wake up and they love it. They love the actual craftsman side of it, which is good. It's not so great if you want to build a business, you know, from a from a business perspective. But from a craftsman's perspective, if you love doing that, if you love building things with your hands and working with your tools, that is phenomenal. And I'm not saying you shouldn't do that. But for me, understanding and having that epiphany last week that, you know what, I really never fully enjoyed it. I took pride in it, but I never enjoyed it. So what you said about understanding yourself, I think, is completely 100% true. Like, and, and guys, for whatever reason, and you, maybe you know the answer to this, but for whatever reason, contractors, when it comes to the touchy-feely stuff, That's like off limits, right? Hey, just a quick timeout from the show. In the next 30 seconds, I'm going to tell you exactly how you can transform your contracting business. Imagine being part of a community of winners where you can find out exactly what they've done to be successful. That's exactly what you get when you join the Profit Club. But it's not just a community. You get lifetime access to all of my course-related material, including all future material that I add. But wait, there's more. Each week, you'll get access to three group coaching calls to talk about sales, marketing, and business problems and answer any questions that you may have. Still not convinced? How about personalized one-on-one coaching to help you overcome your limits? And here's my promise to you. I guarantee you will double your investment within 90 days or I personally will work with you one-on-one until you do. So don't wait. Elevate your game with the Profit Club today. Now let's get back to the show. Like I don't want to learn about myself. I just want to show up and swing a hammer every day. Which that's fine if that's what you want to do, but you have to be okay with that. Like I think we get this mixed concept where I want to do that, but I want to have something else as well. So you have to figure out what you're okay with. I I relate with what you. You know what I loved about construction is the hard aspect of it. Like, that's what I liked. I just like that not everybody can do this. Like, it's hard. Well, business is hard as well. It's the same. Like, I'm always drawn into these situations where it's like, how hard could something be? I want to be involved with that. Like, hence, I have a startup now. Like, it's the hardest thing I've ever absolutely ever done. But I'm the same way. Like, I don't want to do projects around my house. Because I know they're never going to be good enough. I don't want to do work that I have to look at all the time. 
because it's just not like I'm not going to be happy with it. I tell, I mean, I tell my wife, like, I would just rather somebody come do it than me. Like, I'm just not interested in necessarily doing that. Could I do it? Absolutely. Yeah, but, but you also about you also understand the value of your time, mm-hmm. and you would rather pay someone a couple thousand dollars to come do that project than spend six of your weekends working on it, and then be thinking about it that man, I could have done this a little bit different, and it would have been better. <laughs> yeah, you have that too. <laughs> yeah, so I it's. Um, I think that's that that is, you know, that's we talked about on the podcast in the, you know, be going from a craftsman to businessman, that 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 single transition for a lot of guys is super difficult. Right. Especially the, the actual craftsmen who do enjoy the mm-hmm. tools, you know, and all that. And I, and I want to clarify, like, I didn't hate every aspect of construction. Like I, I there were definitely parts that I liked. I liked meeting with customers. I like coming up with solving problems like you were talking about you know, the management side of it, the being creative. Like I, I liked that. Um, and I liked owning the business, but the actual like swinging the hammer part of it, I hated it, like hated it, but I was good at it. And so this is where you get stuck. Like you were saying, cause we think we are the guy. We're the only guy, you know, cause Ron, these guys, these young kids, they just don't want to work anymore. They don't want to work that hard, Ron, you know? So I got to do it all myself. What do you say to those people, those contractors? I think I, I don't. And to back up to where you were talking about craftsman to business owner is how good of a craftsman could you be if you could just go do that and not worry about everything else? Like if you built a business to where you could go out and do what you love and not have to worry about the the profits all of that kind of stuff for like getting this job like if you could just go do your favorite part like what would that be worth to you because to me that's worth the time to do that and get that stuff in place i know guys that don't run their day-to-day but they build a business because they got tired of the disaster and everything around it because they didn't feel like it made them the best the best they could be And they were like, if I can get this situated, if I can bring the right people on and I can start training people, it'll allow me to do the projects I love. I don't have to do all the projects. I get to do the ones I want to do. I can have somebody that understands the business. Like how good of a craftsman could you be if you spent a few years on actually building your business and getting it to a point where you could just be that craftsman and do what you love? Yeah, you you because you have the freedom to now do whatever you want. Yeah, I mean, you're what you're talking about is getting to the point in your business to where it can run without you being involved in the every second of its operational, you know, daily operational activities, and you could just, you know, and it's some of it like for some people it's a pipe dream. Some people don't have the right skill set, you know, they don't have the right skills or the ability to do this, but like this, the thought of like, well, I just come in at nine o'clock, you know, I wake up at seven, I mosey out of bed and I have my coffee and read the paper. And then I come in at nine and then I leave by one. It's like, that's not, that's not really what you're talking about. Like you're not talking about a, a completely hands-off owner. 
you're talking about building a business around what you want to do. And if what you want to do is actually do the craft, then you can still do that. Is, is that what you're saying? Yeah, no, it's absolutely what I'm saying. Cause you, I mean, you can build it any way you want, but the thing is, is building it so it works and you can go do what you're best at or what you want to do. Maybe you get there and you decide, man, I really love the business aspect of this. Like what happened for you is like, I, I, I like this aspect a lot more than I actually like doing the craft, but you can never be 100% the absolute best if you don't have all the other stuff out of the way. So you don't have to worry about it. Like you have other projects calling. You got to go do this estimate later that night when you, there's all this stuff. If you're the only guy that hoard you back from truly being how good you could be at your craft, that if you spent a few years, not even a few years, you could probably spend 12 months, start getting this stuff in place to where you don't have to necessarily worry about those things that you don't like to do that, that aggravate you and make your days long and make it to where you can't be the best at your craft. And that's as much as guys don't want to talk about it. Sometimes that is business building, but it's what it takes to be happy and to have some of that flexibility. So we don't just go through this working a hundred hours a week always like not getting to where we need to go. So like you don't need to build a business to just be the boss and have this big business. I, I say, I say this a lot is like, you have to, what, what is it that you need? Like, what is that that you need and what would make you the happiest? Well, build that. Like, don't feel like you need to build a $5 million, $10 million company because that's what everybody else wants to go do. If you can build a million dollar company and it gives you the life that you want to have and you have some employees and you get to do what you want to do every day, that's perfectly fine. But you have to understand what that is. Like, what do you want? So then you can go do that. I think we don't do that enough. Uh, we just end up going out and we're just building a business, build, we're not even necessarily building a business. We're just building chaos all around us hoping that, you know, one day we'll sell the right job and it'll clean everything up and then it'll make it all happy. And that never happens because you don't have no clear vision on what that right job even is. That's so funny. The, the one job that's going to save everything. <laughs> it's that unicorn. It's out there somewhere. Everybody's looking for it. I got, I, I got news for you guys. If you, uh, if you do land that one job, Right. Where you just like you make four times the amount of profit as you normally would. And it's a you know huge project. You're going to walk away with 50 grand, 100 grand in your pocket. If you haven't changed your behavior on how you spend money, that money will be gone in a flash and you will be back in the exact same boat that you were before you ever landed that job. So that's why like those one jobs are not going to save everything. Or unfortunately, what happens is a lot. It'll bankrupt you. Cause you're not ready. Like you're not ready. I've watched too many guys. They get that job, but they're not like, then it's a disaster and it, it ends up being what will ruin the company. I, I have a client who went through that. 
he landed a big $300,000 job. And I cautioned him. I was like, hey, man, because he was trying to solve some financial stuff. And I'm like, hey, you need to get these things, get these ducks in a row, make sure you have this stuff. And then he's like, oh, I'm good. I just landed a $300,000 job. And I was like, I'm, you need, and then sure enough, like six months later, he's in trouble. Yeah. Right. Because he went out and bought the new truck. You know, he went out and got the more expenses, raised his, raised his debt ceiling, you know, raised that cash flow going out. And just because you landed one big job doesn't mean you're going to keep landing big jobs. So like, the, like you said, I, a lot of times those big jobs can actually cause more devastation long-term than it does short-term mm -hmm. than it helps short-term. Um, I want to talk, I want to transition completely because we're, we're getting close to the t time. I want to talk a little bit about builder comms. What is it exactly? Tell, <laughs> tell us what it is. Yeah. So we're a customer communication platform that's built for the residential construction space. Uh, I help your customers talk to you and you talk to your customers very easily put. I get you out of your emails, no more text messages, no more of that stuff. We get everything in one place and then we organize it by project. So what we are is a tool to help you be great at communication. So does this uh, like work on top of other platforms? Is it a standalone? Like how does that, how's that set up? Yeah, we're a standalone that works really good alongside of other construction management, project management software. So we just do communication. I, I want to be really, really good at that. Like, I feel that the construction tech space is really bloated with a lot of companies that try to be everything in awe. And that makes everything mediocre at best. I think we can relate with this just in construction. Like if you try to do too much, you end up not being able to do everything effectively. So I made a decision to just do communication. It's the biggest customer complaint that we have in the industry. It's never the guys. It's never really the work. It's the communication that customers are upset about. So... I'm focused on just doing that. We're going to work alongside with integrations and stuff with other software in the construction industry. And my goal is to really start bringing together win-win solutions for contractors and builders when it comes to software. It doesn't have to be intimidating. It can be easy and it can be simple because you got guys like me that came from the industry that are now building software that understand what it's like to be there. So that's what I see happening for just construction software in a, in a whole is we really start creating these win-win opportunities. I just had this conversation uh, like two hours ago with uh, a developer for a pretty, pretty well-known um, project management software. I'm not going to say who it is, but um, he used to be their lead product developer and then kind of took a different role. And I was having a conversation with him. And so like API access Zapier, right? Yep. I'm assuming that you have API access for what you're doing to integrate. Yeah. We're currently building out a Zap right now. Perfect. So to, to piggyback on what you said is this other, this other software, uh, I've begged them for years to have API. They don't, 
I was like, you got to get API, you got to get API. Cause they don't, you know, they weren't trying to be everything to everyone. They, they had no, like, um, they have, they don't have like a CRM part. It's more just the management part of the, you know, project management, not mm -hmm. CRM. And I'm like, that's okay. You don't have to do that, but just give me an API access so that I can take that information and put it into my CRM and I don't have to manually put it in. And the thinking is, well, we can just build our own in-house automations and then that way it'll make our software way more valuable. And I'm like, that's the completely wrong way to look at it. 100%. You need to be really, really good at the project management stuff and let the CRMs be really, really good at the CRMs and let the company cams be really, really good mm -hmm. at the pictures and let the builder columns be really, really good at the communication. And then you just have be the hub that everyone, you know, works off of. And some of that just drives me nuts. Like that, that scarcity, limited belief, you know, mindset, the scarcity mindset, limiting belief of like, oh, we're giving away the farm if we have this integration. So I'm, I'm glad to hear that you're working on, you know, Zaps and integration. <laughs> I'm, I'm, uh, me and you are on the same lingo with that. I mean, I look, I get these looks in these meetings where I'm like, here's what we need to do. Cause this is what I hear. Cause I'm do I'm doing the demos. Like I'm talking to my customers. You know what they want? They want a la carte software. They want everything's different for every business. And they want to be able to pick and choose what works best for their business. And I'm like, that is what it should be. It's why one of the reasons I'm doing what I do is because communication, like I talk to these other, the, the bigger companies, you know, they're upfront. It's like, you know, it's not, we didn't build out what you build out for communication because we don't have to, because we're just trying to provide a mass solution. And that's what's wrong with it is like we should have, we should have the solutions and we should all work together. It should all talk together is builder comms for everybody. No. But there should be solutions that work together to create the win for that contractor and builder that then their customer wins because of that. And the more of that we do as a as a, a software industry in service of the construction industry, the better everything will become the better the reception would be, the better the adaption would be because guys will actually be getting what they want. And to me, that's how it should be. And if people were listening, they're going to get me on a black hole about Silicon Valley and how they ruined the construction <laughs> industry because yep. they just were early adapters. I truly believe the construction industry are early adapters. And now we're just jaded. Because we had all this software come out that sounded good, looked good on paper, but didn't function and didn't implement in the industry at first. So now everybody's hesitant about software because they tried stuff out that didn't end up working because it wasn't necessarily designed for them. But there's a whole new realm. I'm here to tell everybody there's, I'm not an, I'm, I can, I'm still an anomaly that I came from the industry and have a software company, but I'm not as much as I used to be. There's other guys out there like me that have said, this is enough. This is what we need a solution for. Let's build it and put it out there for people. So, I mean, yeah, so, not to, not to like get anybody's hopes up because nothing's written in stone, but that conversation I was having earlier was in regards to a, a software solution to solve a specific problem for our clients and what they come across. It was, a, you know, it was more of a strategy meeting. And yeah. So, 
which is what he they should do. They should be really, really good at the project management aspect. Like, because that's where you start to just get mediocre. It's, I don't think the construction industry is big enough that if you can just fix the problem as as niche as it is, like I'm pretty niche. Like I do communication, but that industry is big enough that this will end up changing my whole family's life long-term because we're going to build this out and I'm going to stick to my guns of partnerships and collaboration. It's better than me building out something else that sucks. Like that's just do what we do really, really good and follow through on our promises and not worry about building out a scheduling aspect or a customer management, all this other stuff. Like that's just help guys communicate better with their customers and that right there will have the biggest impact I can possibly have on the construction industry. Yeah, two things I want to touch on before we close up here. Uh, one, this like this conversation parallels perfectly with contractors who try to do every service. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like they, they believe that, okay, I, I am a carpenter and I, I don't get enough work as a carpenter so now i want to start adding you know i can do tile i'm pretty good at it so i'll just start adding tile services and then they you know the customer asked one time well while you're here would you mind finishing this drywall can you repair this drywall yeah i can do that you know what i want to add drywall services and they they start adding and adding and adding all of these additional services instead of just getting really really good at carpentry mm-hmm. or you know if you're a remodeler well, we want to start doing electrical ourselves. It's like, why not just hire an electrician? Right. Or if you want to bring in a house an electrician, that's fine. But don't try to be an electrician. If you're not an electrician, don't try to be a plumber. If you're not a plumber, because you think you think you're going to get more revenue, you're getting more money because you're able to do more. And it's like, that's not true because your efficiency and your effectiveness for those other services that you suck at, is going to drag down the one service that you're really good at. That's the parallel that I see. Would you agree with that? 100%. And I think that's why I'm so like just hyper-focused on that. Cause that's what I believe. Like every, you should just do what you're good at and other people are good at other things. Let them do it and work together. No matter what you're doing, whether it's a construction business, life, software, anything. Like there's different people that are good at different things. Like focus on that. Like I say, I can only be the best Ron I can be. Let me be that and then surround myself with people that pick up where I lack. And by doing that, everything becomes amazing. And I don't have to try to worry about trying to do stuff that I'm just inherently bad at. Yeah. 100%. And the thing is, when you talk about doing those other things, like it's never going to be as good because your heart's not in that. Like if I decided I wanted to do, put a scheduling aspect to this, or you're like, you're a tire guy, like you're not excited about that. Like I'm excited about fixing communication. That, that carpenter is excited about doing that. He's not excited about doing tire. I'm not, I want to be excited about doing scheduling. So that you lose that component where you have that emotion, where you're excited about what you're doing, where you love going and doing it or being involved with it. 
And then that's when you start hating getting up is because now you've got all this stuff that you brought on yourself because you're going to grow this out instead of just being really good and figuring out how to get in front of more of your customers that want your service. And the, the other parallel that happens here is that in software, like if you, if you want to, if you wanted to develop out a scheduling software, you would have to, if you're going to do it yourself, you would have to spend all the time doing it. And then if you're going to hire it out, you're going to spend all the money on the R and D and development, right? So you may spend a, you know, half a million dollars on developing a scheduling software and it may not be that great. It's probably, it I, guarantee actually, you, I guarantee you, it won't be as good as the best that's on the industry already. That's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. You spend a half a million dollars, develop out a scheduling software and it's like, oh, Calendly already does this. All I have to do is integrate with Calendly and it solves the exact problem. And it's like, why? Why? And so the same with contractors, right? It's like, if you, if you start, if you're the carpenter who starts offering tile service, now you got to go out and buy all the tile tools, right? Now you got to go out and start marketing for tile. So now instead of spending a thousand dollars a month on carpentry, I'm going to spend 500 on carpentry and 500 on tile which now reduces the effectiveness of my carpentry ads and what I do in carpentry. And I have this conversation, like it's a broken record of like niche down. The riches are in the niches and that's exactly what you're doing. You're staying true to yourself. You're solving one problem and you're not trying to deviate. Now that doesn't mean that five years from now, there's not another opportunity that you can possibly move into, but your focus right now is all on solving the communication problem. Yeah. No, absolutely. And, you know, it's, you know, that's what gets a lot of people excited. And when I got, when I talk to them is like, you're just focused on this, like this is niche enough, but it's a big enough market where this is actually exciting. Like you can, you can have an impact, which, you know, a lot of people take stuff out there and there's an impact to be had, but it's so broad that it gets watered down instead of just really focusing on just having that impact, understanding like this is who we are, this is what we're doing and just go do it the best you possibly can. Is it probably going to make things harder? Absolutely. But that's what makes us better at what we do. Yeah. The, the second thing I want to bring up, which is why I, I, I definitely uh, am going to spend some more time with your software and I haven't, I haven't dove into it, uh, just to be honest, but, uh, I just recorded a podcast and, um, the term I like that I just, that I came up with actually, I'll cheat is chat GPT, chat GPT came up with this term. All right. But I'm going to steal it and claim it as mine because <laughs> I'm the first person I know that said this, even though I didn't come up with it. It's speak now or pay later. As far as communications go, especially with your customers and your employees and your subs, speak now or pay later. Mm-hmm. That, oh, I sent a text and it said something. I'm surely they understand what that means. Uh, that's good enough. And then you find out later they totally didn't understand what you were saying. And then you end up paying for it some way, whether it's through your time, money, whatever. I love it. And you know what's amazing about when you you focus in on something is because now with the, the advances in AI, 
like I don't know how familiar you are with like Grammarly and stuff and how it yeah. has toned attention in there because we're so mm-hmm. laser focused on providing the best communication software that now we're looking at because I'm completely anti-automation. I think like that's where communication goes wrong is when you automate it. But how can we use AI to just make us better communicators? It's with that tone detection. It's like a red light, green light, yellow light on incoming messages that we can pick up on tone mints that guys might miss or on a message that you're getting ready to send out before you send it out, it pops up, but you probably don't want red. Don't send this. Hey, hold up. Hold up a second. (laughs) Yeah. Like being able to add this stuff in there that, that helps make us better communicators. So like that stuff that is in the product roadmap as we continue to build this out to just, because we're laser focused. Like I can focus on that instead of focus on like seven other different things that we're trying to get off the ground. Like, all we're trying to do get, is get the best communication platform out there going forward. Have you uh, have you heard of Goblin dot co? No, no Goblin I have not. Write that down and check it out. It's very similar to Grammarly, but you it has um, and I'm not sponsored by them whatsoever. But uh, <laughs> it has little peppers. There's five peppers, and so mm. when you craft a message. You can say, how spicy do I want this message to be? <laughs> so if it's a five, if you get, if you give it a five pepper, like you're, you're putting a little bit of flavor in there, right? <laughs> one, one pepper is like straight and narrow. Hmm. It's, it's pretty neat software. It's an AI. It's just an AI software. Well, Ron, I, we're coming to an end here. I appreciate you hanging out. I do have a question. I like to ask all the guests and we kind of, touched on this on your podcast but uh what's one book that you're reading right now or that you would recommend (laughs) man i am in the middle of a hundred million leads by homozy and it's the best book i've read this year you mean this one right here yes that one right there absolutely so i i read i still read i don't read 60 to 70 book because it's just not like I just can't get anywhere doing that. So I, I'm a 75 harder. So I read 10 pages a day consistently. And that book is now making it into my office. And I always say is when a book makes it from beside my bed down into my office almost every day, it is a damn good book. And yeah, I, it, it is. I just, I'm only on page 17. I just started it. But have you read his other book yet? Yeah, I, yes, I have. And that was a good book. $100 million offers. Yep. Yep. He's amazing. And he gives everything away for free. It's what I love about it. It's, it's how I think it should be. Yeah. Well, yeah, he, he's a, and he's a very long-term thinker too. So stuff yep. that we're seeing today, he had thought of two years ago and stuff that he's doing, thinking of today, we won't see for another year or two. So it's pretty uh, amazing, ain't it? Very smart guy. Um, yeah, Ron, I appreciate so much being on here and having this chat. We're going to send, we'll put a link to Buildercoms in the, uh, show notes so that people can come check out your software that you're creating. I think it's a great idea. I think communication, especially effective communication is one of the most important things you can do, not only in your business, but in your life (laughs) with your kids, with your family, with your wife, with your employees everywhere, like effective communication. Uh, I've been on that drum. I've been banging that drum for quite a bit lately. Cause it's so important. Um, so I appreciate you being on the show. 
any last thing that you want to leave the guest with any parting thoughts or motivational speech or anything let it rip i mean i i don't necessarily have any motivating speech or anything but i will say to what you just said is no software will ever fix non-effective communication like if you don't know how to have a conversation like software is not going to fix that all we do is just make it easier for you to have a conversation. There's still fundamentals that you have to understand on how to deal with clients and how to set expectations. So that goes with any software. I think we can think of it as we implement something. It's going to be this quick fix. It's going to fix everything. But any software that you do, there's work that has to happen with that. There's adaption. And it's never going to just be this fix if you're just inherently bad at it. Like Build.com's doesn't work if you don't want to talk to your customers. Like you have to <laughs> want to have these conversations. We just make right. it easier for you to have them. But same thing with the scheduling software. If you don't want to schedule your customers and have a time when you're showing up to their house, like it's not going to fix your business. So you have to inherently understand that and be willing to fix that stuff. It's funny, and I don't, I don't want to go on a tangent, but I, I talked to a lot of contractors. Like, what do you need help with? They go, I need systems in my business. That, that's code for, I want some kind of technology thing that does everything for me in the business. <laughs> it's like, that doesn't exist. I digress. Thanks so much for being on the guest, uh, on the show, Ron. Uh, love to have uh this conversation i love talking about i love technology i love software and i love talking about construction and stuff so this was a, this was a good one for me uh we'll put your information in the show notes so if people want to get a hold of you uh they can do that as well and find out about builder comms and guys i appreciate you hanging out with me today you know where to find me on social media you can go to instagram tiktok uh, facebook or youtube just search for the hammer and grind podcast we'll also have links in the show notes for you I appreciate you hanging out with us today. And remember, until next time, profit is not a dirty word.